Now, as Sam said, this is my first official week, and, um, and anyone that knows pastors, Cheryl actually chuckled when she saw the screen up the back with this on there, said, oh, Mark's missing out. This is one of his favourite movies. And, uh, and I think the number of pastors that I've seen preach using this movie is, um, is pretty amazing. I reckon I've been to maybe four or five sermons where, where this movie... Does anyone know the movie? Braveheart. I have a confession to make, and it might not be a confession. Never I've never watched it. <laughs> but I feel, like, I feel like I know it already. <laughs> I don't need to watch it because I've, I've been to so many sermons where, the, where there's been a clip played from this movie. Um, and it's quite often the same clip over and over again. Can anyone guess what the clip is? I like the Scottish accent. I was going to try it, but I don't have to now. <laughs> um, they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. And he's got this motivational talk to a whole bunch of people um, to, to try and encourage them to stand up and fight, to come, come into the battle and, uh, and, and, to, and to motivate them. He talks about, you know, they can take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. Um, and... Um, and I've been told mixed things. Apparently, it's quite gory. Is that, is that the case? Um, so, um, so yes, so I've, I've had been... I'm not recommending watching it because I can't recommend it. But, um, but yes, there's, there's a line that in, uh, in, in, in Scripture that we kind of... We have motivational lines too. And, um, and Jesus gave one that, uh, that we often use... So if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. And we go, yeah. If the sun being Jesus sets us free, we are free indeed. And we go, that's awesome. That's brilliant. That's exciting. That's part of a revolution of love. That motivates me. But the question you ask is, what is this freedom? What does this freedom look like? And unfortunately, you know, we, we, uh, we, we're at school and we go, when I finish school, then I'll be free. Finally be free. Yeah? I get a few, a few people that agree with that. And then you go, when I get a job, then I'll be free. And then we'll have income. You, you guys have income. It's easy when you've got income. Well, it's not easy. But um, when you don't have income, you go, when I've got income, when I've I'll, then I'll be free. I'll be able to buy my first car or I'll be able to do all the things that I dreamed of. For me, it was my base amp. I wanted to buy a base amp. And uh, when I get a job, I'll be able to buy my base amp. And, uh, and then you get a job and you go, hmm, when I get a job with a good boss, then I'll be free. <laughs> and, and, and then you go, you know, when I have somewhere to live, uh, when I get out of my parents' house, then I'll be free. And, and then you get a house and you go, when I pay my mortgage, then I'll be free. And then you go, when I retire, that's when I'll be free. And all these things are pointing to a freedom that's a little bit twisted. It's what our world calls freedom. It's, it's when you get choice. Freedom is having the opportunity to choose. And so when you're stuck at school, you don't get to choose. So I'll be free when I get to choose. When you don't have money in the bank, you don't get to choose what you buy. You're stuck. So you've got this picture of, of getting to choose. When I retire, I get to choose what I do with my time. So then I'll be free. 
And it's a weird picture of what freedom looks like. And, and I got a reminder of this last weekend. My, um, my niece and, and fam- their family was over and we were out on the front um, footpath and she was playing in the stones and they were just about to leave and they were getting in the car and my brother picked her up and went to put her in the car. Now, at two years old, she didn't like, she liked playing with the stones and she didn't like her freedom being taken away from her. So she let everybody know as two-year-olds sometimes do. So he picked her up out of the seat, because there's no use leaving her in the car seat, because there was no opportunity to put the seatbelt on. And she kicked and screamed and rolled on the grass, making it very clear that her freedom had been taken away from her. She wanted us all to know that this was an injustice in her two-year-old way. And, uh, And she sat there and kicked and screamed and threw a little hissy fit, and we continued talking. Um... And then she calmed down and she went, I've said my piece. And she was happy to be picked up and put in the car. There was no issue and she moved on. And it was amazing because you know what? We look at a two-year-old and laugh, but sometimes that's us. Sometimes when things, when circumstances, we, we lose our control. There's things that happen that we don't get to choose. There's things that happen that sometimes aren't fair. We go... I want to throw a tantrum. And sometimes internally we do. Sometimes externally we do. <laughs> those, those around us that journey with us closely might know those times <laughs> where we want to vent. We want to have a two-year-old tantrum about how it's not fair, how I didn't get what I wanted or what I should have had or the freedom that I needed. But it all comes from this twisted idea of what freedom is. You see, our understanding of freedom changes our perspective and our ability to make decisions. If we don't understand freedom, what freedom really is, then we, we, we affect our perspective and we affect the decisions that we make. And this makes things really hard. Now, I'm not playing down. I don't want to play down. There's some, uh, some things that hold us in bondage. Anyone that suffered an addiction knows what it's like to be held captive to something. Anyone that's been in prison, I'm not going to get you to put your hands up. Um, <laughs> anyone that's been in prison or a refugee camp, anyone that's had a child that has a, an illness that goes for their whole life, um, there's a whole heap of things that we do not get a choice in that's not easy. And I'm not playing those things down. I'm not saying that those things aren't hard and that those things aren't um, a challenge. Um, and in some ways, I don't feel... Um, eligible to bring this message this morning because I haven't suffered those things. So I can't talk from a position of experience. I've never been in a refugee camp. I've never been in an abusive relationship. I've never experienced a a drug addiction. So, So for me to say that those things aren't, being released from those things aren't true freedom is a little bit cheap. However, this morning... I want to refer to someone that can say that. And so I I don't want to speak from necessarily my experience, but I do want to stand on the truth and the experience of this person. And this person's resume, and you'll pick up who they are pretty quickly, goes something like this. He was imprisoned, given 39 lashes five times, beaten with a rod three times, stoned once, shipwrecked three times, spent a whole day and night adrift at sea. 
had his life threatened from both Jews and Gentiles, had many sleepless nights, often gone without food, at times not had enough clothes to keep him warm, and carried what he poetically described as a thorn in the flesh, which we don't know what it is, but his words are, it tormented him. So while I can't say from my experience that I necessarily understand and can relate, he can. Paul experienced a range of things in his journey that caused him to challenge what his definition of freedom was. And so today, there's a passage that I want to look at that I never actually paid any attention to before. God kind of arrested me about um, three or four weeks ago with this passage. And, um, and this has been, been brewing because I've never been a slave. So referring to slaves kind of, kind of doesn't relate. But this passage is really significant and it's really significant for our walk. It's 1 Corinthians 7, starting at verse 20. Yes, each of you should remain as you were when God called you. Are you a slave? And he's talking about real slaves, people who um, are within, in slavery. Are you a slave? Don't let that worry you. But if you get a chance to be free, take it. And remember, if you're a slave when the Lord called you, you are now free in the Lord. And if you are free when the Lord called you, you're now a slave to Christ, slave of Christ. God paid a high price for you, so don't be enslaved by the world. So this is a guy who has had a lot of experience of this idea of not being able to choose. He's been stuck in many situations where he didn't get to choose whether he got stoned or not. He didn't get to choose whether he was shipwrecked or not. And yet in amongst it, he says, if you're in a circumstance that feels like you're a slave, like if you are a slave, then you can have the perspective that you are really free. You are truly free. Now, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't, in, in our way of thinking, in our idea of freedom, make any sense at all. Because if you're a slave... you're you're stuck with someone being your authority. But he's saying, even in that circumstance, you are actually free in Christ. Christ has set you free. And then he goes on to say, and if you think you're free, as in you get to choose, but you've experienced what it means to know God's goodness, to know God's redemption and salvation then in actual fact, you know you're not really free anyway because you've come under God's authority and come under Jesus' rule. So even what the world calls free is not the way things work anyway. So we've got this really weird way of looking at freedom where it doesn't actually matter whether you feel like you get to choose or not because those that have had the choices taken away from them can actually still be free in that circumstance in Christ. Now, notice he doesn't say, if you get the opportunity to stay free, don't take it. He actually goes, if you've got the choice, if, the, if, a, if an opportunity comes up, you don't have to stay in that position of slavery. So it's not a case of we've got to beat ourselves over the back and you know, try and find the most oppressive situation we can. He's going, if you get the opportunity, take it. But don't let that be your measure of what freedom is. 
That is not how God measures freedom. And if we look in Scripture, there's a whole bunch of people that that, that concept is fundamental to how they live their lives and how they move forwards. So, let's, um, anyone remember Joseph? Anyone remember anything about Joseph? What happened to him? Josh? Thrown into a well. Doesn't sound like a very free place. Doesn't sound like he had much choice. What then happened? Sold into slavery. He got out of one trouble, didn't he? That was awesome. He got out of the well. Woohoo! Freedom! Then what happened to him? Before he got thrown in prison, he, he was in Potiphar's house, given some responsibilities. And then he was trying to be seduced by Potiphar's wife. False, <coughs> falsely accused, but he had to actually, she was trying to, he had to leave his clothes behind to get out of there. Woohoo, freedom! <laughs> no, he ends up in jail because he was falsely accused of doing something he didn't. But in jail, he got some responsibilities because they, they saw how honourable he was. And so then he met somebody in jail who said, you have done amazing things in here. I'm not going to forget that. And I'm going to put in a good word for you. Woohoo! I got someone to save me. That guy forgot. For two years he forgot until all of a sudden Pharaoh's in trouble and this guy went, ah! I know someone that can answer your dream. I remember. So guess what? He gets out of prison. Yay, freedom. And then famine comes on the land. Oh, not not so good. But God gives him a vision, a, a purpose, a direction for how they can handle this famine. And they were actually prepared for it. And then he finally gets round to meeting his family again. Aha, revenge. Whoa, freedom. <laughs> no, he has a very different perspective. He, he wants to serve his family. You go, ah, oh, now he's got it. That's freedom at last. Do you know when freedom happened for Joseph? Freedom happened for Joseph when he was 17 years old and he had a dream and he went, I trust God. That was when he found freedom. Everything that happened after that was him living highs and lows, challenges in life with the freedom that he experienced when he was 17. None of the rest of it was actually the freedom that God offers. He was in the bottom of the well. He was in, in, um, in jail. And in those circumstances, he could still say, I am free. I have a God who knows me, who has entrusted things to me, who has given me visions and dreams and given me the ability to to interpret them and I am going to live a free person in any of those circumstances. And you can go on and on. We look at Daniel in the lion's den and we go, yeah, he saved him from the mouth of the lion. That wasn't where his freedom came from. That was was for for the king. The king needed to know who Daniel's God was. Daniel already knew who his God was. Daniel already knew that he was going to be persecuted if he, if he prayed in his room faithfully. But he went, I'm free. I'm going to do that anyway. That's where his freedom came from. It wasn't when he was in the lion's den. His lion's den was just exercising um, the circumstances of the day. 
And God met him in that place. Don't get me wrong. God met him in that place, but his freedom came much earlier. There's a lady in the New Testament who had spent 12 years um, suffering from bleeding. And she touched Jesus in a crowd, and Jesus knew something had happened. And do you know what Jesus said to her? And I never got this passage. It never made sense to me. He says to this woman, your faith has made you well. I went, that's not right. God's power made her well. Like, that's, that's weird. Like, why would he say that? What, when, when it was actually God that healed her. But what he's acknowledging is that she made a choice. Her freedom came when she went, I am going to, even though it's, a, it's, it's countercultural, it's, no, it's a shameful thing to do because I've been ostracized from my community because of this bleeding, I am going to make a decision to go and see Jesus. I am going to touch a rabbi, a dirty person touching a holy person. That is offensive. And that is not what you do. Her freedom came, her faith made her well, because she chose to claim that freedom that God offered her, that Jesus offered her. Her freedom was exercised in her healing, but her freedom actually came first by that choice. And that's why Jesus can say, your faith made you well. Because she chose. She made that choice. And so this concept of freedom is sometimes very different than the way we want it to look. Because freedom is living for Christ in all circumstances. Freedom is living for Christ in all circumstances. We really struggle with this concept. I really struggle with this concept. When it says in 2 Peter 2.19, for you are a slave to whatever controls you. I've got to admit, there's things that happen in my life that I let control me. There's thoughts in my mind, there's circumstances that I let control me and I forget that my freedom comes from Christ, independently of that. Finally, God decided to test me this morning. I wanted to know that I actually believed my message. So I got up this morning, started preparing, turned, went out to the car, car wouldn't start. Awesome, that's good. Get a bike. I, um, I had a piano, I had some signs, I had some boxes and some laptops. Big bike, yeah, yeah. Um, so this isn't going to work. Um, so I should get a real car. That's, that's a good point. That's valid. That's valid. It's the first time it's done it. So it's never done this before. And so I'm like, this is really annoying. This isn't very convenient. And so I went in and I said, Tan, I'm going to jump in your car. Moved all the gear across to, to the other car. Got down here and you know, about half an hour later than I wanted to be. Um, Brad asked for the week off, so I said, I'll do sound for you, and that didn't, wasn't very convenient. And then, um, so I had to go home and pick up Tanya, which again, really didn't have time, didn't want to do it. And I got back here, and I'd forgotten my sermon notes and the PowerPoint. They're all sitting on a USB key, still plugged into my computer at home. 
And so there's these things that you can go, is that going to determine my attitude today? Is that going to determine how I approach what I do this morning? Not just for you, but for me, between me and God. Is this relationship going to be tainted because things didn't go to plan this morning? This week, as I mentioned, we've, um, we've switched the key over. And um, midweek, we didn't have access to the container. Uh, the, the, they hadn't changed the, the bolt in the container. And, uh, and I thought to myself, what would happen if I got here and we didn't have, because the container was locked and we didn't get, get access to it, we didn't have any sounds or seats? How would that affect us? Would that inhibit our worship? For some, that would be hard. No seats, no sound. But in actual fact, our freedom, our ability to worship, our ability to live lives that glorify and, and are under God's submission have nothing to do whether we have seats and chairs here and have a sound system. But I could very easily let that control me. I could very easily think that my freedom has been taken away from me because my car doesn't work. My freedom hasn't been taken away from me because I don't have anything to prepare, I don't have anything to present for a message. My freedom's been taken away because I've got no seats or sound system. But in actual fact, that is not true. That is not God's position. And we've got to reclaim what freedom really is. Because if we want to move forward as a church, then we've got to know what rock we're standing on. Because there's going to be some rocks that we hop onto they're going to be shaky and they're going to fall apart. And if our freedom comes from our ability to choose, which is what our culture tells us our freedom is, then that's not sustainable. Because we're going to have highs and lows, we're going to have ups and downs, and we're going to constantly be on this roller coaster of, I've got freedom today, I've lost my freedom tomorrow. It's unsustainable. We can't do that. And so we've got to know what in our lives are holding us back. We've got to know before God what is holding us in bondage. Is there any unforgiveness in your heart? I'm just going to jump through. Is there any um, relationships that are broken that need healing? Is your mortgage getting you stressed, getting you anxious, getting you wound up? Is it, is it controlling you? Is your job circumstances, is your whatever it is, and I use those just as examples, but whatever it is does not decide whether you're free or not. But it does. We let it. There's a fascinating story that the, that we, the first time that we see God interacting with humanity, the devil comes in as a serpent and says to Eve, did God really say you couldn't? eat the fruit from that tree? He just didn't want you to be like God. Do you know what that question was? That was challenging what the definition of freedom was. So right then, that serpent redefined freedom as being able to choose whether you eat the fruit or not. Oh, what? God stopped you from that choice? Wow, you mustn't be free. You need to reclaim your freedom. You need to have your own choice to eat the fruit or not. He'd stopped you from doing that. Now, I think the devil gets too much credit. 
Because while he put the thought on there, Eve chose to do the act. So, so he put that, that evil thought into her mind. But she also acted on it. So we can't, we can't blame him for everything. We make our own choices. And, and we've got to own up to that. But that thought is a thought that is evil. That our choice determines our freedom. And do you know what the first thing was the fruit of them eating that fruit? I'm sorry, the, the consequence of them eating for that fruit? They wanted to put clothes on because they were all of a sudden naked and ashamed. That was a, a bondage, and I'm not suggesting we become a nudist colony. <laughs> but, <laughs> but that was the first result of them trying to act in this newfound freedom was being ashamed of who they were. That is what that freedom produces. That is what that idea of freedom um, generates. And if we want to understand and own true freedom, we've got to look at that picture and look at that picture in our own lives and say, that is not freedom. My circumstances don't determine my freedom. And all of a sudden, there's a bunch of passages that mean a different thing. So when we say, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus Christ. So if you belong to Jesus Christ, it's like you're a slave to him. You follow his rule. You follow his authority over your life. Weird, doesn't sound like freedom, but it's the best place for you to be. That is freedom. And in that circumstance, you can be, be thankful in all circumstances because our thankfulness doesn't come from the roller coaster. It doesn't come from the highs and lows. It comes from Christ. That's where the, where, that's where the thankfulness comes from. And so when you look at Joseph, his story to his family was that it wasn't his place to judge them. It wasn't his place to punish them. That was God's position. He said, God used what you did for his glory, for, for good. He used that roller coaster, the things that you wanted to hurt me through, to actually bless me, bless you, bless a nation. And that they struggled to understand, as we do. That God created freedom out of suffering. God created freedom out of their hurting their brother. And we look, at, we look at this passage, but thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. We're wired to, to great with this. Our culture goes, I don't want to be a slave to anything. I've got to resist that. I've got to throw a two-year-old tantrum if anyone tries to take away my freedom. But this is freedom. Freedom is the choice to do right is the choice to, to, in this case, the words righteousness. The right way of living that God gives us. We are, have the, the opportunity to come under the freedom that God gives us. That's where freedom's found. And time and time again in Scripture, you look at people who their freedom, we focus on the, on the hero bits, the, the exciting things. 
But the freedom actually comes first when they chose to submit to God. So it's a really simple question, but it's a hard question. Are we living like we're free? Are we living like we're slaves of Christ? When people around you look at your lives, what do they see? Do they see another whinging Aussie? They do. Christians don't whinge any less than anyone else. What, does that re- what reflection does that have on God? What does that say about the freedom we've been given? When we whinge and moan and, you know, just, just talk about how things are always a struggle and things are always, you know, woeful, what sort of a, a picture does that paint of our freedom? What does that reflect on them? When they look at you, do they want to know, when they look at me, this is a question for me too, when they look at us, do they want to know how we can be free in all these circumstances? Does that puzzle them? Does that twisted way of looking at freedom confuse people? Because it should. How can you be thankful even though that's happening to you? How can you be thankful even though it was unjust? How can that be thankful even though that person did something terrible? How can you have that attitude? How can you have that perspective? People should be confused by us. And they're not. On the whole, they're not confused because we ride the same wave. We have the same highs and lows and seek for freedom in the same places that everybody else does. And we've got to adjust what our idea of freedom is because we're being confused by that. And so my challenge this morning for for every one of us is to look at the way we, we choose to respond to our circumstances and say, am I truly free? Have I claimed what Christ has given me? Now, when it talks about when the sun sets you free, you shall be free indeed, it's talking about a family member taking an orphan or taking a slave or taking someone that has no credentials or credibility and saying, you are now part of the family. So that means, yes, you do sit at the dinner table. Yes, you do get an inheritance. And you get to live as part of the family. And when you're part of the family, you don't have to question whether today you're part of the family and tomorrow you're not. Because when the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. Make there be no confusion. There is no need to question. There is no need to wonder whether today I'm still in the family. Because it is done. It is finished. The price has been paid. The price was high, but it was worth it for you. And so we've got to question whether we're claiming that, whether we're living that, and whether that is what we portray to the world when we shine light in darkness. Because God wants to set people free. Christ came to set people free. And for us to have an impact in our community, we've got to be set free. We've got to live like we're set free. 
We've got to respond to circumstances like we've set free. And we can't do that if we've got a twisted idea of freedom. Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you so much that you gave us an opportunity. Lord, it's ironic that you gave us a choice. And that choice wasn't the freedom, Lord. But the answer to that question was the freedom. And Lord God, we just thank you so much that you have made a way that we can declare that who the Son sets free is free indeed. Lord, we don't want to live like we used to live, with the highs and lows, aspiring to things in life that, that come and go. We want to live like we have an inheritance. Lord, we want to live like we know we are sons and daughters of a living God. Lord, we don't want to live confused about what's important and what's not important. Lord, we ask that your spirit invades us this morning, Lord God. Interrupts us. Not to make us feel, feel guilty, Father, but to relieve us, to release us, to restore us to that position of sonship and daughtership that you claimed on the cross. To ask your spirit to invade our lives and transform us. To be like Christ. To be people who will not compromise. Who know what freedom looks like and will fight for that freedom. Who will not let the enemy tell us that freedom is our circumstances. Father, we thank you so much that you have done everything to make this possible. And we thank you that when you say your faith has made you well, you gave us the faith in the first place to do it. So Father, we just ask you, we come humbly. We say, Father, have your way. Release us. Open our eyes see your heart, to see your purposes, that we might walk in freedom as slaves of Christ.